0: Greetings to those who watch below. Today we are going to be looking at some of the most terrifying creatures from Scandinavian mythology. But before we start, I'd like to say thank you to Steffi Ray, Wicked Witch, Lisa Watts, Lefty Kim, M A Way, Julie B, Jess Black Curtain, Christina Groves, Chris B L K Chris, Canopsia, Tiganas, The Real C F E D Twenty Two, Tassos Karamaris, and Lt Punisher Six Six Six. For being Those Who Dwell Below, an exclusive channel membership that gets you shout-outs at the start of every single video. If you'd like to join them, make sure to check out the link in the description box. Also, you can follow me on Instagram at brimstone underscore below, and on Facebook at the Brimstone Below Horror Channel. Finally, if you haven't already, please make sure you subscribe to the channel, hitting that notification bell so that you never miss a video. But for now, sit back, relax, and enjoy. The Mylings During early Swedish history, it wasn't uncommon for unwanted infants to be put to death by their parents. This may sound brutal and heartless, but for many parents, it was a matter of not being able to afford another mouth to feed. Other infants found their way to an early grave because they were conceived out of wedlock, or they were the result of adultery both being extremely taboo in Swedish culture. The mothers of these unwanted children would often leave their babies deep in the forest, where they couldn't be found, which eventually gave rise to the Hansel and Gretel fairy story. Because they weren't baptised, it was thought that these children wandered the forests, streams and hollows where they were left, waiting for unwary travellers to pass by. When they encountered these travellers, mylings would jump on the victim's back, wailing and crying to such an extent that it would drive the victim insane. It was also not uncommon for mylings to drive their victims into the nearest burial ground. Once there, the myling would demand that their victim dig a grave and then give them a proper burial, something that they had never received while living. If the victim was unsuccessful in providing an appropriate resting place The Myling would attack the individual and kill them in a blind fury. Pester The Black Death ravaged humankind in the 14th century. In Norway, the pandemic came like a firestorm in the year 1349. In a matter of months, potentially as much as 60% of the population died. It was a disaster of biblical proportions it is impossible to understand the absolute scale of the suffering. Folklore and old tales often depicted the plague in the shape of an ashen-faced old woman. Her name was Pesta, a Norwegian word for the pandemic itself. She dressed in a red skirt and brought terror to all who saw her. The dreaded creature travelled from community to community with a broomstick and a rake. If you came upon Pesta with her rake, then you knew that she would spare some of your people. But did she start sweeping with her broom? Then there was no point in running. No soul would be alive by the time she had finished. Pesto wiped out whole communities. People died in their beds, or on the paths walking through the landscape. Children were left orphaned and alone. The tale says that it took no longer than three days to die. The disease worked with such speed that people were unable to free their livestock from the stables and the sheds. Without food and care, the animals often succumbed to thirst and hunger. Before long, the last man or woman was gone, and everything was still. Years passed, and Mother Nature reclaimed the buildings and the fields. The warm shelter and the livelihood that people had laboured and struggled so hard for was all gone. One day, Pesta came to a lake, and called out for the boatman to take her across. She wore a blue skirt this time, and at first the man did not recognise her. Gradually, it dawned on him who was there with him in the boat. He pleaded with her to spare his life. If she did, he would let her good deed be the payment for the boat journey. Pester conferred with a large book she had in her lap, and then answered quietly, I cannot spare your life but I can make your death an easy one. When the man returned home, he was as tired as he had never been before. He stumbled into his bed, and moments later, he was gone. The Draugr The Draugr are extraordinarily strong undead creatures, who retain at least some of their intellect, even after they've died. They reside in or near their burial sites, often guarding the burial goods left for them by their loved ones. In Norse mythology, it's thought that the creation of a draugr can occur due to a curse placed on the individual, or because the person has a very strong will and just refuses to die. The draugr are known for their violence and exist to torment the living, particularly those who may have wronged the draugr while they were living. The draugr will even appear to their enemies' livestock, taking on a rotting appearance before chasing the animals until they have literally been run to death. If an under-creature of frightening appearance and size isn't enough, the Draugr are also thought to have uncanny magical abilities. They can shapeshift into other forms, such as a bull or a horse, but the forms that they take are all damaged in some way, usually with missing or broken limbs or appendages. One of their favourite forms is... Is that of a cat. Once they've assumed this appearance, they will make their way to their chosen victim. When the individual has gone to bed and fallen asleep, the Draugr will sit on their chest, increasing their weight until their victim can no longer breathe, resulting in their death. Even though the Draugr may cheat death, animating their bodies in order to terrorize the living, it's only temporary. Their bodies continue to decay, even as the Draugr animate them, until eventually, the body becomes too damaged and can no longer be utilised. At this point, the Draugr dies again, this time permanently. The Norse took careful precautions to prevent dead loved ones from rising as the Draugr. A door was created on the outside wall closest to where the person died, so that the corpse wouldn't have to be carried through the front door. The Norse thought that if a person was carried out through the front door, they would remember how to enter the home and terrorise those within it. Some families even went so far as to drive nails into the feet of the departed to keep them from rising. The Jenganga. A Jenganga is a revenant from Scandinavian folklore that has similar traits to a ghost or vampire in modern fiction. Again, Genjanga would have several reasons to return from the afterlife. Murdered people could seldom sleep peacefully in their graves, after all. The same went for their murderers. People who had committed suicide often came back as Jenganga, because Christian tradition held that self-killers were fit neither for heaven nor hell. At other times, people came back from the grave because they had left something undone. Most often, they needed someone to help them do this, before they could finally be at peace. The biggest difference between modern ghosts and the genjanga is that the genjanga in the Scandinavian tradition took on an entirely corporeal form. It normally had no spectre-like qualities whatsoever. In older traditions, it was also very malicious and violent in nature, coming back from the grave to torment its friends and family. In the way that they acted, and in the extensive precautions their relatives took to make sure they stayed in their graves, Genjanga were more akin to Eastern European vampires than modern-day ghosts. This tradition of the violent Genjanga goes back to the Viking Age, where they are present in many of the Icelandic sagas. In slightly newer tradition, the Genjanga remains a violent entity, though in a less direct way, now becoming more of a disease spreader. These genjanga would attack people with their so-called dead man's pinch. This would result in the living person's skin becoming sunken and blue, where the Genjanger had pinched them, and this often led to disease and death for the afflicted person. The pinch was often administered when the person was asleep. Both the Hildefirk and nokken were also accused of doing the same, using bites instead of pinches, often aimed at the victim's face. This belief in beings attacking people in their sleep was used as a warning against going to sleep in specific places such as near the graveyard, mountains or water. In later Swedish folklore, a distinction is made between the traditional genjanga and another type of ghost known as a ghast. Whereas the genjanga looked virtually identical to a living human, the ghast was known to be transparent or skeletal in appearance. Sometimes it would also have sharp fangs and claws, thus making it impossible to see who the phantom had been while alive. And, whereas the Swedish version of the genjanger were usually said to be rather harmless, it was the ghast who was known to cause diseases. They were also known to cause accidents and scare people for no apparent reason, other than that they enjoyed doing so. The nokken The knockin. Also known as Neck, Nikor, Nok, Nix, Nixie, or Nixie, with a Y, are shape-shifting water spirits in Germanic mythology and folklore who usually appeared in the form of other creatures. It is also known as the brook horse, given that it shapeshifts into a horse and would drown men and women who were foolish enough to ride it. The Scandinavian Nacken, Naki, and Nack were male water spirits, who played enchanted songs on the violin, luring women and children to drown in lakes or streams. However, not all of these spirits were necessarily malevolent. Many stories indicate at the very least that Nocken were entirely harmless to their audience, and attracted not only women and children, but men as well, with their sweet songs. Stories also exist where a Noken agreed to live with a human who had fallen in love with him. But many of those stories... And with the Nock returning to his home, usually a nearby waterfall or brook. The Nockern were said to grow despondent unless they had free, regular contact with a water source. It is difficult to describe the appearance of these creatures, as one of their central attributes was thought to be shape-shifting. Perhaps he did not have any true shape. He could show himself as a man playing the violin in brooks and waterfalls, but could also appear to be treasure or various floating objects, or an animal, most commonly in the form of a brook horse. The enthralling music of the knockin' was most dangerous to women and children, especially pregnant women and unbaptized children. He was thought to be most active during midsummer night, on Christmas eve, and on Thursdays. However, these superstitions do not necessarily relate to every version of the knockin'. Many of these superstitions developed after the Christianization of the northern countries, as was the case with similar stories of fairies and other entities in other regions. When malicious knockin attempted to carry off people, they could be defeated by shouting out their name. This was believed to cause the creature's death. Another belief was if the person brought the knockin a treat of three drops of blood, a black animal, some Scandinavian vodka, or wet snuff which was dropped into the water, he would teach the person his enchanting form of music. The knockin was also an omen for drowning accidents. He would scream in a particular spot in a lake or river, in a way reminiscent to the loon, and on that spot, a fatality would later take place. He was also said to cause drownings, but swimmers could protect themselves against such a fate by throwing a piece of steel into the water. Hi guys, thank you so much for listening to today's video. I do hope you enjoyed it. If you did, make sure to leave a like and also subscribe to the channel if you haven't already. So, until next time, sleep tight.